Father, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus. Let your will be done today, Father, in this service. Let your word, Father, hit the hearts and the minds of the people that have came here today, Father, and those that will listen on the podcast, Father. We thank you as we come in here today, Father, as believers, Lord God, that you have strengthened us, Father, that you have given us might and wisdom, Father, that you have loved us, Father, with an everlasting love, and we thank you for that love. We thank you for direction. We thank you, Father, that you are directing us, Father, where our feet should go. And you have sent out your angels, Father, to cover us in every place in which we go. Father, use me, Lord God, and I empty myself out, Father, that I may feed, Father, your sheep, Father. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen, amen. This song said, it's your breath in my lungs. We don't even own the very air that we breathe. That cycles in and out of us every day. a powerful word (laughs) indeed we came in with nothing but we definitely going to be used for his glory amen so let's start lesson two now I will warn you that the first two messages for this series is like a, a cushion (laughs) to break the fall. It's a cushion to break the fall, but the pruning has to happen so the glory can come forth. It got to take place in me. (laughs) It got to take place in you. But it's for the advancement of the kingdom. So this will probably be the second, um, probably the last, if I could say, cushion message that um, that probably will come through. Because the first thing that Father had me to do was to build the foundation of this message first. And by doing that, I had to explain to you who you are before we do some groundwork. Because if I didn't explain to you who you were, then you may it may be a tendency for you not to receive all the rest of it. So, lesson two tonight is called Your Peculiarity. Or I like to say your peculiarness, because it's so much easier to say. So much easier to say. So let's get started for time's sake. I hope you guys have something to write with. And at the end, we're going to do a um, prophetic demonstration. We're going to pray at the end. I'm going to play a song, um, actually, that I found while I was in 
prayer and worship for this particular message. So let's get started. So before you can understand the significance of being a daughter of God, you should first understand the truth about who you were without Christ, which was the purpose of the assignment that I gave you. You and I, the word says, were outsiders. Sin separated us from our father, and we had no real hope. We roamed around the earth without a home, without a family, and spiritually, we became orphans. So we're going to start at Ephesians 2, 11 through 13. Now, even though this message is for the women in which I'm ministering to tonight, this is a unisex message. <laughs> so my men, take it in personal as well. Amen. And don't forget that as we do these lessons, we're going to make some declarations out loud as I go through these lessons, which is another new thing the Father wanted me to do to activate some things within you. Amen? Amen. Ephesians 2 and 11 through 13, verse 11 says, Do not forget that at one time you did not know God. The Jews who had gone through the religious act of becoming a Jew by man's hands, said you were people who did not know God. You were living without Christ then, and the Jewish people who belonged to God had nothing to do with you. The promises that he gave to them were not for you. You had nothing in this world to hope for. You were without God. But now you belong to Christ Jesus. At one time you were far away from God. Now you have been brought close to him. Christ did this for you. When he gave his blood on the cross. Now the Gentiles. Which includes us. Says that they were in a desperate place. They were aliens. As well as us. Strangers. No hope without a father. So this shows that we, not only spiritually we were dead, but we also did not have access to God that the Jews enjoyed. Verse 12 says, you lived without Christ. Now these are terrible words. And the implications of them sum up the terrible condition of a daughter of God. To be without Christ means that, number one, you were without spiritual blessings. You were without light, meaning that you were without truth. You were without peace. 
You were without rest. You were without safety. You were without hope. You were without a prophet. You were without a prince. You were without a priest. You were without a king. And more importantly, you were without a father. Now, in this particular scripture, this coming near in verse 13 says that you were brought near to God when the blood of Christ was shed. We who were Gentiles, not in Christ Jesus, were just as far off as we ever could be. The reconciliation only happened in Jesus Christ. So it is important to point out that when Paul connects the idea of the great love of Jesus and his sacrificial death, many people think that the preaching of Christ crucified is all about a bloody, gory Jesus on a cross. But the point of Christ crucified is not the cross, but love demonstrated in action from a father. Preaching Christ crucified means we preach Jesus full of love, sacrificial love, a love that gave his only son to create what? More children. And a love that saves. So, We know that the death and the resurrection did what? Mended the broken bridge that separated us from having a relationship with our father. He gave us a new opportunity to become members of his very own family. We were prodigal daughters. And like the loving father that he is, the father saw us, like he said, afar off. And he welcomed us back home again. So repeat after me. It feels good to be home, Abba. Amen. Amen. So when you gave your life to Christ, the first thing you became, the very first thing you became was a daughter of God. And you inherited your royal position in his family. You didn't have to earn it. He simply gave it to you because he loved you. But unfortunately, many of us don't walk fully in our identities as daughters of God because we really don't know what it means to be a daughter of God. Now, as a daughter of God, the king's daughter, you are very special. Unusual, important, positively strange, (laughs) uniquely flavored by God. You occupy a unique position as a daughter. Now, let's go to the definition of a daughter of God. A daughter of God is a female born again or born of God that submits her life 
to becoming who he predestined her to be. First Peter 2 and 9 says, but you are not like that. Now, in the previous versions, it was a whole list of things that you once were. And verse 9 starts out, but you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So we're going to really just break these specific things down. We're going to break down chosen people. We're going to break down royal priests. We're going to break down holy nation. And we're also going to break down a peculiar people and what that means for you. Now, ye are or you are indicates that presently right now, this is who you are right now, not who you will become. You are this right now. So as a daughter of God, a believer in the body of Christ, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Now, with all of these qualities, you simply stand out. And you cannot but draw attention everywhere that you go. You are a special and a rare species of persons on the earth. So let's take a closer look at these identification marks that you have as a daughter of the king. Number one, a chosen generation. He says that you are a chosen generation. So repeat after me, I am a chosen generation. Amen. Now, the natural you, yes, the natural you. We're going to start with the natural you first. You are a regular generation, the natural you. And this is how a generation works. The things that you do or do not do outlive you. Long after you are gone, your actions or your inactions will keep reverberating through the ages even after you are gone. That makes you just a regular generation. Now, when you become born again, however, you become not just a generation, but you become a chosen generation. So at salvation, you responded to the father's choice on your life. And the father chose you to be his very own child under his very own family roof. You did not merit this. Neither were you the one that chose him. Rather, he chose you. This is, and you have to see it like this, this is an immense privilege that should not be taken for granted. And there is a long list of scriptures that remind us of this privilege, such as 1 John 4 and 19, reminds us that we loved him Because he loved us first. 
Now, what this means is that he loved us before we could love him. Before we got to know who he was, his love was inviting you in. Even before the worlds were created, when our only existence was in the mind and the heart of the father, he said he loved us. His love stretched out to you when you were in the club, when you were deep in sin, when you were without affection, when you were entangled into lust, he was there. So now that we are coming into the knowing of that love, we also can love too. Verse 19 tells us where our love comes from, our father. We never had to draw the father to us. Instead, he drew us to himself. Let's see. First Corinthians 1 and 27. <laughs> and it says, isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses, chooses these nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies. We will definitely come back to that. But first, <laughs> we are going to look at the surface level definition of the word chosen for understanding. Now, chosen means a small group of people who are treated better than other people, often when they do not deserve it. Amazingly, this is the group in which you belong to. So if we go a little bit deeper from a Greek perspective, choose means to decide what you want from a range of things or possibilities. So the father decided and picked you out of a range of possibility of women. This means that there were and still are others that the father could have picked, but he decided to pick you. Hmm. What an election of grace. So an understanding of you being chosen should help you conduct yourself in a most acceptable manner. Amen? Amen. I personally am forever grateful Forever grateful that the father has chosen me as a vessel to pull his children out of darkness into his home. Then made me his very own to do his will. A nobody. Isn't that what it said? He chooses nobodies to expose the hearts of those who call themselves somebody to the world and through their lenses, when they look at us and we walk around in their world, we look like ordinary, plain, unimportant women on the surface. But if they could see in the spirit, they would see that in our world, we walk as daughters of God, kings, priests, ambassadors, royalty. And they are the ordinary people. <laughs> Therefore, because of this, 
You must therefore ensure that God does not regret ever choosing you. Don't let him regret ever choosing you to be special before him amongst all women in the earth. So in other words, it's one thing to be chosen by the father, but it's another for the father to not regret choosing you. May the father have no regret choosing you. So repeat after me as a daughter. The father will not regret that he chose me. Amen. The second thing we're going to deal with is that he said that you are a royal priesthood. So repeat after me. I am a royal priesthood. Amen. Not just an ordinary priesthood, but a royal one. Royalty means and deals with us being related to the king, who is your father. And the priesthood portion of that has to do with your special access to your father. And you also hold the responsibility to represent him to people as he gives you what? The circle of influence. Why? Because you don't represent yourself anymore. You have gained a new identity in Christ. So this is how this looks. The Bible says that Moses was calling Israel several times in ministry for them to be a mirror for other nations to see the glory of God through them. But this was impossible for them. Why? Because Christ had not come and died. So they had no way of perfecting or reaching the we are stage of sonship. But that is not our story. So Peter says, now the church, which includes us as daughters of God, is to display the father's character by submitting to the Holy Spirit to develop you And empower us to be all the father has called us to be. So as a daughter, you must know and keep conscious in your mind that you belong to royalty. Royalty is an indication that you are from a family of kings and queens due to the kingship of your father. As a royal priesthood, we're the bridge between the father and the lost. To pray and to share Christ. But notice we are a step better than the state that Israel was in because they were, as the Bible says, this says that they were a kingdom of priests. But we are royal priesthood. Which is the part of the lineage of our father. So the bottom line of that is that you have your father's DNA. And they did not. Your father is not this low level earthly king. You're related to the eternal, all powerful, 
all wise king of all kings to whom we have a special access to. So the moral to this story is this. Don't let anybody, anyone steal your identity. Never act beneath your position. Because he died to give it to you. Being a royal priesthood also indicates that you are from a reigning class. Wherever you go, people must pay attention to you. Let's go to Acts 17 and 28. Because it's going to allow us to see this more clearly. Acts 17 and 28 says, It is through him that we live and function and have our identity. Just as your own poets have said, our lineage or the King James Version says offspring, comes from him. Since our lineage can be traced back to God, how could we even think that the divine image could be compared to something made of gold, silver, or stone, sculpted by man's artwork and clever imagination? It can't be compared. So as a kingly priest and lord... Lord Case, how should you conduct yourself? All right, so let's think about this. Just naturally, an earthly king conducts himself with all dignity, just naturally. Because why? His subjects look up to him as an example for them to follow. So as the daughter of a king and being a king lowercase k, in the earth yourself, you also must be aware that you are set up as an example to be emulated, both as a believer and as a daughter of God. Because of this, it would be natural for other women to begin to imitate you, especially those who you are privileged by the Father to lead. So ladies, don't get upset. If somebody imitates your hairdo, your style, the way you carry yourself, don't be saying things like, why is she trying to look like me? <laughs> why can't she get her own style? <laughs> you know how we, you know how us women be. <laughs> Let me tell you a, a funny story. I was, which I'm always in the gym, but I was in the gym. And when I'm in the gym, I'm focused. I'm focused. I'm not doing much talking. I'm trying to, exactly. <laughs> I'm trying to make it happen. <laughs> I don't have time to talk. And so um, I was finished working out, and I went into the women's locker room. And there was a, a girl that's always in the gym, too, uh, with me. And every time I'm in the gym, it's like, She's like copying my every move. And I, my God, this really burns me. <laughs> it does. I'm like, oh my God. Like she just copied every exercise that I do. And so she stopped me in the, um, <laughs> she stopped me in the, um, back there in the um, locker room. And she was telling me, she was like, you know, we had small conversations, like kind of, what's your name? My name, what do you do for a living and stuff? And she was like, 
She's like, I hope you don't mind me um, saying this to you. She says, but she's like, she's like, I watch you all the time. And she was like, I know that I'll be doing your exercises and moves and stuff like that. And she was like, she's like, you're very inspiring to me. And uh, she was like, you know, she's like a little small talk. Like, I want to be just like you when I grow up. And so we just laughed about it because she was older than me. So, <laughs> so I told you that to say as an example of this, that as you begin to mature as daughters of God and you begin to walk in his ways, you are an example so they're going to be women who imitate you. And when they do imitate you, it's an honor. Count it an honor. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So daughters, just make sure that you are presenting yourself as a worthy example. What does that mean? Well, I'm going to break this all the way down into breadcrumbs so you will not leave this place not knowing what it means. What this means is that you're going to watch your thoughts. You're going to watch the way you talk. And you're going to watch your actions. As a priest, you are part of the lineage of the high priest who is your father. Now, every king has a staff of office, naturally, which signifies authority. For all believers, which includes the daughters of God, the rod or the staff office is the word of God. Our Lord Jesus Christ himself is known as the word of God. Revelations 19 and 13 says that he wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. Therefore, the written Word of God, a.k.a. the Scriptures, must constantly, what, be in your heart and your life. Never, and I'll repeat, never, I'll repeat it again, never, as a daughter of God, should you be lazy at reading the Word. It is your lifeline. So repeat after me. The word is my lifeline. Amen. The Bible tells us in Colossians 3 and 16. It says, let the word of Christ live in you richly. Flooding you with all wisdom. Applying the scriptures as you teach and instruct one another with the Psalms and with festive praises and with prophetic songs given to you spontaneously by the Spirit. So sing to God with all of your hearts. Now, by allowing the word to dwell in you richly, you secure the Father's presence is with you and your rod of authority, which is the word, will be in place. Amen? Amen? Number three. The Bible says that you are a holy nation. So repeat after me. I am a holy nation. Amen. This is what the Father said concerning you. Are you ready? 
Okay, First Peter 1 and 16. For the scripture says, you must be holy because I am holy. Psalms 93 and 5 says, what you say goes. It always has beauty and holy. Mark your palace rule, God, to the very end of time. So as a daughter of God, you must live a holy life. This is not optional. It said you must be holy. This is not optional. Now I'm going to break down what holiness looks like in a little bit. But he says this is not optional. It is mandatory. The old nature of sin has been replaced with the nature of your father himself, which is a part of that is holiness. Now, what do I mean when I say holy? I'm going to break this down. This means to let your life and thoughts and words and actions be an embodiment of holiness. So we're going to break these things down. We're going to break down thoughts. We're going to break down your words. And we're going to break down your actions. The first one being your thoughts. So in your thoughts, learn to think pure. There are things to think upon and others that you should not allow even in your thought process. Philippians 4 and 8 says... Keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectable, pure and holy, merciful and kind. And fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. So, we must learn as women of God to tame, sanitize, purify, and cleanse our thought processes. This will not happen on its own. We must take practical steps in order to get it done. So, repeat after me. My thoughts will be holy. Amen. Now, when it comes to your words in which you speak, the scriptures command you in Ephesians 4 and 29, it says, do not let any unwholesome talk, repeat that again, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So you have a responsibility to watch your words. Be careful about what you say. Don't just speak oh, anyhow. Learn how to choose your words in wisdom. Filthiness, foolish talk, jesting. And what Justin is basically is doing or saying things, you know, just for amusement or attention. In other words, you just want to hear yourself talk. <laughs> Which, as the word says, you should not be entertained, you know, or even be engaged in. Ephesians 5 and 4 reassures us this. 
We're actually going to read this one together. We can, okay. Ephesians 5 and 4. Let's read this together. Guard your speech. Forsake obscenities and worthless insults. These are nonsensical words that bring disgrace and are unnecessary. Instead, let worship fill your heart and spill out in your words. So weigh your words before, not after you speak. So repeat after me, ladies. My words will uplift and build up your people, Father. Amen. Now let's break down how holiness looks in your actions. Because surprisingly so, the Father weighs our actions. First Samuel 2 and 3 confirms this. And it says, talk no more so exceedingly proudly. Let no arrogancy, meaning, you know what that means, not showing due respect to another person, insulting people, being rude and impolite. So let me go back. He says, talk no more so exceedingly proudly. Let no arrogancy come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge. And by him, actions are weighed. So, demonstrate and practice holiness in your day-to-day living with your actions. This is a deliberate choice that we must make because of being peculiar. If you desire to be effective as a daughter of God, these things must happen. You cannot afford to live in covetousness. You cannot afford to continue to lie, to be prideful, to live in hatred, bitterness, gossip, backbiting, malice, adultery, immorality, and the like any longer because the Father has called you to holy living. Those actions, when you do them, they open doors in the spirit to kill your destiny. And anyone connected to you as a circle of influence. Many ministries have been ruined because of the unholy life and lifestyle of Christian women or first ladies. So repeat after me. My actions reflect that my father is raising me. Amen. Amen. The next thing is that he said to you is that you are a peculiar people. A peculiar people. So repeat after me. I am a peculiar woman. Amen. So according to the definition of peculiar ladies as daughters of the king, If we extract the substance of this word, your father wants you to know that when he called you peculiar, he declared the following over your life. That you would have a character exclusively to your own. 
that you were not like anything else or anything of the same class or kind. That you were to be special, separate for his use, distinguished among women, extraordinary and rare, something or someone which belongs peculiarly or exclusively to someone, any private possession. Hmm. So let me give you an example. And this was actually kind of interesting. The word peculiar represents the word in Latin peculium, and that's P-E-C for my note takers and those on the podcast, P-E-C-U-L-I-U-M, which means a person's private pocket money (laughs) set aside from their regular bill money. Isn't that interesting? We are the father's very own possession. So basically what he's saying is, look, you know when you got bill money, you get paid. You got you got to pay the bills. But then you got that extra money. Then that's your own. That's your very own possession. You can buy whatever you want to buy with that, however you want to spend it. And that's literally what he's saying, that you're peculiar. He's like, okay, I'm going to take care of, of these group of people. But the ones that's my own, my chosen, my, my extra pocket change, I get to do what I want to do with the ones that is special to me. And you know how you feel about extra money. <laughs> Everybody, every woman in here knows when you got extra money. <laughs> How excited you are to have extra money. So that's what he's saying. He said, you're his very own possession. That is what redemption is all about. Taking possession of us for his very own use and purpose. So let's read Exodus 19 and 5. And it says, now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant Then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine. In this context, your father sees you as his very own peculiar, special, precious treasure. Even though he says he owns everything. But you are a treasure a possession of his. And it is not one of those things where he lumped, you know, all women together and he's like, you know, all the women are special to me. No, he's not saying that. He says each and every one of you women are peculiar. A rare piece of jewelry with your own fingerprint different from any other woman in which he made. Which, which, you know, quite frankly, it never makes sense to compare yourself to any woman. Whether they're saved or they're not saved. You have your very own fingerprint. So repeat after me. I am my father's very own treasured possession 
with a peculiar fingerprint. Amen. Now, since you are a daughter of the king, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, then you also have benefits. So we'll go over just four benefits, but of course you have tons of benefits being in his family. So the first benefit that you have as a daughter of the king is that you have access. And we forget this sometimes when we're going through things. You literally have access to the king. Ephesians 3 and 12 says, we have boldness through him. And free access, free, free 99, free access as kings before the father because of our complete confidence in Christ's faithfulness. So as a daughter of the king, you have free access to your father through your brother, Jesus Christ, who is the door to get to the father. That's a big deal. Let me put it in simple terms. Unless you give me the keys to your house, I must knock every time I want to come in. Unless you're Pastor Kirby and you just... Unless you, you know, you just come on in. <laughs> but if I have the keys, I have the freedom to enter in without barriers or limitations. So spiritually, your salvation gave you access to your father's presence. You don't have to wait at the door wondering if somebody's going to let you in. You can enter in freely. Amen. So remember when, when women to enter in, don't sit on the sidelines crippled by fear and shame. Your father has given you access and the privilege to know him. So talk to him in prayer. Get to know him. Listen to him as he speaks and gives you the wisdom you need for the day. Let him lead you and guide your pathways in life. Allow him to be your father. The example that I have for you guys in, in regards to this is, the, of course, the story of uh, Martha and Mary. That can be found in Luke 10 and in, uh, in, in John chapter 12. Is a great example of the priority of having access. Mary and Martha had access to Christ. But Mary chose to sit at his feet like a child and learn. Let's read Luke 10, 38 through 42. As they went on their way, they came to a town where a woman named Martha lived. She cared for Jesus in her home. Martha had a sister named Mary. Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and listened to all he said. Martha was working hard getting the supper ready. She came to Jesus and said, do you see that my sister is not helping me? Tell her to help me. Jesus said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. Only a few things are important. Even just one, Mary has chosen 
the good thing. It will not be taken away from her. Martha was distracted trying to cook a what? A natural meal for the guests. While Mary decided to eat from the table of her father. She wasn't worried about food. She had access to the bread of life. (laughs) He tells Martha, I'm not going to take her access time with me from her because you're distracted by doing unimportant, busy things with your time. And this is why time spent with the Father is never time wasted. Amen. Amen. So your first benefit is that you have free access to your Father. Your second benefit as being a daughter of the king is that you have authority. Matthew 18, 18 through 20. And it says, receive this truth. That means pay attention. (laughs) Receive this truth. Whatever you forbid on earth will be considered to be forbidden in heaven and whatever you release on earth will be considered to be released in heaven again. I give you an eternal truth. If two of you agree to ask God for something in the symphony of prayer, my heavenly father will do it for you. For whatever, for whatever two or three come together in honor of my name, I am right there with them. And then Luke 10 and 19 says, now you understand that I have imparted, imparted to you my authority to trample over his kingdom. You will trample upon every demon before you and overcome every power that Satan possesses. Absolutely nothing will harm you as you walk in this authority. Now, the word trample means to set your foot down on top of, walk on, press down into the ground on the surface with your feet, to crush, to flatten something. He says that he has given you the power and the authority to overcome not just some of the power in which Satan possesses. He said all, every power. In which he possesses. So as a daughter, you have a spiritual authority. Yes, you, but you must be willing to use it first for your own life, your thought life, your actions, your personal growth. Your authority must be used on yourself first. Too many of us are stuck and held back by the things that the Father gave us, the power to conquer. We too often look for the spiritual leader to deliver us when the Father is literally singing songs of deliverance over us. And looking to us to walk in this freedom. Amen? The next thing that you have as a benefit, as a daughter of the king, is that you have a family. 
You have a family. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. And it says, so you are not foreigners or guests, but rather you are the children of the city of the holy ones with all the rights as family members of the household of God. You are rising like the perfect, perfectly fitted stones of the temple. And your lives have been built up together upon the foundation laid by the apostles and prophets. And best of all, you are connected to the head cornerstone of the building, the anointed one, Jesus Christ himself. This entire building is under construction and is continually growing under his supervision until it rises up completely as the holy temple of the Lord himself. This means that God is transforming each one of you into the holy of holies, his dwelling place, through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. I actually recommend that you read that, that the whole book of Ephesians is beautiful. It's a beautiful read. So being God's daughter means that you have a family. You have brothers, you have sisters, you have a father, you have angels, you have the Holy Spirit. You got the whole heavenly host at your disposal. So you do not only have access and authority in him, but you belong as his beloved daughters to his family. So if you struggle with rejection or feeling left out, please know that things don't work out that way in the Father's kingdom. He never rejects his own. In fact, the Bible says that if you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. So when you understand that you belong to the family of God, you begin to live out of that truth. You no longer wear the weight of rejection. Because you now bear the mark of acceptance. Don't live your life as a stranger. When the father has called you as a daughter in his family. With all the rights that come with being in his household. Amen. Amen. And the last thing. That you have as a benefit as a daughter of God is that you are loved. First John 4 and 16 says, we have come into an intimate experience with God's love. And we trust in the love he has for us. God is love. Those who are living in love are living in God, and God lives through them. Finally, women, you are loved. The Father loves you so much, and there's nothing that you can do to earn this love. And I can't stress that enough. 
So many of us are learning and, and, and trying to, to, to live to earn this love instead of living out of the love that he has already given you. We are desperate to receive love that can never satisfy instead of grabbing a hold of the only love that can. One thing that you should know about your father's love as a daughter of God is that you never have to work for it. Love is your inheritance. So stop seeking love in all the wrong places and rest in your father's undeniable and unchanging love for you. Amen. Amen. Let us come to the altar and we're going to pray first.